port on this. All right, um, let me keep my questions. So are you ready to begin, sir? Yes, sir, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready for us to rock and roll. All right, so let me turn down my mic a little bit. All right. Let me start off looking at my audience. So welcome to another episode of Everything Cool. I win all my Bahamian colors. We celebrate an independence today. Hey, on everything cool, and we have a special guest. I know him as Mr. Darlin. Many of y'all may not know who Mr. Darlin is, but this iconic—I mean, look at the beauty of this flag. You see the nice triangle, you know, with the coal and aquamarine on the sides. Oftentimes, I like to actually. When I was in college, I used to like to hang the flag upside down because it almost looked like a black pyramid. But like gold light beaming out of it night in the blue sky. But that's just me. But Mr. Darlin is actually the creator of this sad flag. Yeah, we don't want to do anything to scare your children. That's the last thing we want to do. We don't want to scare anybody. The tourists come over to chill on the beach. But they don't come over the hill where we sleep. We got nightmares and they got fantasies No sanity, it's just insanity My mommy hoping nothing happens to me And now we have Mr. Darlin right here on camera too, and he's about to tell us his story. So, welcome to Everything Cool, Mr. Darlin. It's a pleasure, Mr. Williamson, to be here. Yes. Yes. So, not to cut you off, but before we get into the, what we have on the table right here, um, we have a segment on Everything Cool called the Bahamian Word, Phrase, or Saying of the Day. And we always like to give that pleasure to our guests. And we bestow that pleasure to you. Give us a Bahamian, any any Bahamian word, phrase, or saying, you know, whether it be something that you grew up saying, you know, whatever the case may be. Yes, we, I, for me, I grew up with the phrase, um, respect for my elderly. Mm. And, um, you know, being able to love one another, being able to be able to appreciate everything that is Bohemian, mm-hmm. and mainly our church work. Mm-hmm. You know, there are so many things that I can really think about, but I'd like to think about the one that stands out, where everybody seems as if they were was responsible for everybody's children. That is a very outstanding one that will always stand out in my mind. Because wherever there was a problem, mm-hmm. some neighbor was able to take charge. Mm. But today we don't see that now. You know, because everybody is saying 
don't touch my child. Don't, don't, don't you dare touch my child. But back then, in those days, it was a blessing where anybody could get involved and discipline your child. And if your child wasn't happy, and they go home and tell mommy or daddy, that was another. Be it. Why do you think, well, before we really get into your origin, I just want to ask you this quick question. Why do you think we have sort of gotten away from this, like, village mentality? I believe our reason for getting away from that is because as wealth came in to the nation, yeah. everybody began to become selfish. You know, I don't need your help. Don't do this to my child. Just let me be. Hmm. Respect my views and let me respect your views. Hmm. That's powerful. So, Mr. Darling, let's just take a nice you know, walk on memory lane. Tell us about, like, you know, your early beginnings, like where you was born, where you grew up, um, school life, all that good stuff. Okay. I am a Bahamian, was born, grew up in Darling Lane, off Wolf Road. Okay. And as for the school that I attended last in the Bahamas was Howell Road Secondary School. Sorry, Howell Road. It was Howell Road High School at that time. Mm -hmm. But if you take a look back, if I were to begin to take a look back and how I remember my youth, if you'd like for me to... T no, go ahead. Yeah, okay. No, you know, go right ahead. Well, you know, I was from a very large family. There was like 12 of us, and everybody was loving... And, you know, the violence that we have today, we didn't have that in our family. All these children today and parents today, they go to court for their children and all these different things are happening. We didn't have those things back then. Everything was, you know, just like it was well-knit together. Everybody was able to appreciate one another. Brothers and sisters, the arguments and, and the little minor fights in our family were limited. We didn't have a problem uh, saying like you couldn't do this or you couldn't do that or how I hear today, some people say well, my mommy always take a side with this one or take a side with the other one. We didn't have those things. Those things didn't exist. Mm. Everybody was one family. You had to love one family. You had to grow up with one family, you had to have your morning prayer, six o'clock in the morning. Mama would wake us up, and we had to have prayer. When we get in from school in the evening, we'd have prayer again in the evening. And late in the night, just before going to bed, there was another term of uh, prayer again. So our lives were all based into understanding the glory of God and understanding what to expect for the next life. And today you hear people saying, well, I don't, I don't, I don't believe in hell and I don't believe in hell. That wasn't a thing at our, at our time. That everything was set around what you do for Christ will last. Mm. 
everything was said around that. So, growing in this up in this environment, and I always, you know, I always like to talk to about people, talk to individuals from your era to just to think what was like, you know, somewhat of the mentality of that time to how you view the world. And obviously this is a pre-independence bombers. So what was some, uh, I guess, what was your view on the world? Like what was aspirations? Like how do you think you would end up to like 10 years from your youth or 20, 30, 40, 50? Like how how you just sort of think how your life would start and end? Or it was something more so you... As things happen, you developed and just kept the constant, sort of a strong, your strong foundation and just navigated life as it came. Everything was based on the realities that we that was happening back then. Mm. And we were all focused into being your best, doing your best, and understanding how you can become what you want to become. Mm. You know, everything was based on you have to show God the glory. You got to appreciate people everywhere and take life seriously. Today we have so many hundreds of young men and young ladies with a poor dress code. And because their dress code was so good back then, the ladies were more respected. Today, the young girls, at that kind of respect that they had back then, they don't, we don't have that today. You know, for one thing, the girls wear half of the belly out. I should say the cheeks of the hips out. <laughs> uh, the, the, they call it their cleavage. Uh-huh. That's showing, you know, the, Press is being shown. Everything is so different today. Yeah. So, like, because, like, a, a constant, something I always mention to I'll ask my parents, because they are around your age. I always say, well, I always hear, I grew up hearing adults saying, back then it was the sweet times. Uh, it ain't nothing like back then. But then I was like, but everybody was poor. I But then it was like, you didn't really, I think, because... Everything was a little bit simpler, and everybody had a level playing field of somewhat not having the most resources. And then when the, like you said before, when the resources came, you had this disparity on how people view life. I was like, maybe looking back at the past, maybe looking at it through like rose colored lenses, and it wasn't, you didn't see things in the totality. Whereas today, you have so much information, and you have to reflect, and you can look back and be like, well, we probably thought this because we was ignorant to a lot of things happening. Mm-hmm. And we was more so humble within our humble experience. What do you say to that? Our humble experience, a whole lot of it, I can, pardon me for saying this, mm. but a whole lot of the, of our humble experience were because of ignorance as well. Mm. And I, I say that mainly because the things that the way we were supposed to be viewing some things, especially for family members. Mm. It wasn't altogether being viewed as it should have been because 
everything was so far behind and out, out of reach. For example, a saying that used to happen when I was a little boy, babies came from playing. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that was the saying. That was, uh, a, that was a common saying, uh, you know. And that is really nonsense. But the parents used to say things like that. They wouldn't tell you the reality of true life situation. And they call that being, um, they call that um, having a, a sort of knowledge or hidden knowledge. Mm. And today, the least, the, the, the smallest child you, you talk about, a child or baby or getting pregnant, they can tell you that story. Mm. They can tell you how it starts from, from the A to Z. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So life was totally different because of ignorance in, in most cases. So, getting to this layout with Mr. Dollar you said you created this at 10 years old. 10 years old, that's correct. Tell the people what is this. Well, I remember mm. one day coming home from school. I saw a group of elderly men sitting under this tree, and they were playing, uh, I think it's called checkers using soda covers and things of that nature. Mm. And they would be under this tree every day as I passed coming home. They would either have checkers, dominoes, some, some sort of game they would always have. Mm. And I said to myself, I said, you know what? Because I can't play these games with these elderly men get. What I'm going to do, I'm going to create my own game. And I'm going to take it, and me and my brothers and sisters are going to play this game. Mm -hmm. But I had this thought in mind for about 18 months. Then finally one day, I began to look and see the raw materials around the yard. So I decided to build a box like this, build a, frame up a box like that. Mm. on two sides and I didn't know exactly where it was taking me from there but I just keep, kept on putting in little pieces little pieces and when that was finished then I put this centerpiece there mm. and I said um, now how am I going to play this game what am I going to do to get this game to make sense so I said, you know what I'll do? Then I heard in my mind, why don't you put a flag here? I said, so if I put a flag here, to balance this board, I need to put another flag over here. So this was the flag you thought of? This, yes. What year was this? In 64. Okay. So how did you create this flag exactly? I'm, I'm telling you now. Okay, let's go. So... After putting that half there, I decided that I'll put this half over here. Mm. And I was just matching it up. Then I decided that is too straight. I need to put a line across the middle there so it can show that this is one half 
and that's another half. Mm-hmm. So I, whatever I did on one half of the plywood, I did it on the opposite side of the plywood, the same thing here. Mm-hmm. And then after taking some thought about this, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put little holes in on these things. And as I put the holes as how I design it, I realized that, you know, this is just one straight piece of plywood. I need to put color on this. So in the back of my mother yard at that time, there were old paints, old paint cans. And there was a bit of black paint. There was some blue paint. And there was some sort of goldish, like yellow gold paint there. So what I did, I decided that I would draw this like a triangle, and I did the other triangle down there. And after putting the triangles there, I said, you know what? I shouldn't just put the piece, just paint this piece here straight down. Let me so I can put a design to this going straight down to the opposite side. Mm -hmm. So what I did on this side, I made it matching for the opposite side. Then I decided to put little holes in it. And I said, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to use little small pegs. I'm going to put small pegs in there. But I decided later that night lying down, I said, you know what? What I could do is that I can use the various information that I have in, that I get from school each day. Let's pause right there. Give me so, the categories, please. So, what, I, what age you said you built this? I, I was 10. So, how did, so you already had carpentry skills and some is like how I'm looking at this in my creative mind. Like, yes. these really line up. That angle, the triangles are the same size of both sides. They're the same height. Everything is coordinated measurements wise. So, like, you had someone teach you carpentry to build it? We, there was a teacher that used to teach, they used to call it woodwork back then in mm. school. So, grade 10, you would have been, you have been like in eighth, seventh, eighth grade, or maybe? I was. Maybe, maybe six? Well, like between six and eight? Between six and eight. Yeah. And this Mr. Edgecombe used to teach us woodwork. Uh-huh. So every time he gave us things to do, we had to use, you call it a T-square back then. I don't know what they yeah, call no, it Yeah, no, we still got a T-square. I got a T-square at home, but I used the main okay. step up. Yeah. So what I was always uh, able to do is to take the T-square and get your lines straight. He taught us that. Mm. Whatever you do, make your lines straight. So we, I put all of them together, and I decided I can put categories to these, to to, to this. Mm. So I started. Um, you didn't find one of them. So I 
started using and I put categories to this side here. Okay. I told myself this can be educational. I want this to be educational. Because I wasn't a A plus student back then. Mm. But I know what I wanted. Okay. So I decided to complete this and after I had this completed the following night looking at it and thinking about it it came to me piece by piece okay just one other question so what prompted you to drill the holes in there like was there placement because you're going to take other figurines or something like that to insert them in yes uh, my plan was to put my plan was to put um, the pegs in here so each peg would represent a question oh. and an answer. Okay. So I decided if I take the category sports first, mm -hmm. I would ask, I asked myself the question, who was Elijah Obed? I'm just saying this now. Mm -hmm. Do I know the answer to it? I said, yes, I know. Elijah Obed was a famous Bahamian boxer. He was a welterweight champion of the Bahamas. Junior mm. welterweight champion of the Bahamas, of the world, sorry. And because I happen to know it, I said, okay, I give myself a point. I stick one point here. Mm. And for every question that I would ask myself, I would put a point in. And I kept on until I was able to just complete the whole flag with points. So basically, this is a four-person game, which everybody has their That's own right. flag. Mm. Okay. You see? So after I got into one category good enough, then I decided, you know, my mother had a set of encyclopedias called Wonderland of Knowledge. Hmm. I said, you know what I need to do? I need to start going through these encyclopedias and getting some information on what I don't know. So I, I kept on going through day after day, day after day. Till finally one day, my older sister, her name was Betty. Her name was Carolyn, but we all call her Betty. Mm. So she saw me this particular day in the back of the yard after I already had it painted up and whole drills. She said to me, say, say James, say, what are you doing? I said, this is my game that I, that I invented. She mm. said, your game that you invented? She said, well, tell me a little more about it. And I said to her, I said, you see, now, let me use sports, because I like sports. Mm. I said, you use religion. So you, let me ask you the question, uh, about religion, you can ask me about sports. If I happen to get the right answer, I'll put in a chip. If you get the right answer, you put in a chip. Mm -hmm. And by the time we ask about 10 to 12 questions, she stopped me. She said, you know what? She said, I like this. Mm -hmm. I said, well, you know what we're going to do tomorrow? I said, what are we going to do tomorrow? I said, we go into the Grantstown Post Office. And what we're going to do, we're going to apply for a copyright for this game. I say, well, 
I don't understand what is copyright. So she told me. Mm. She said, you know, copyright is where you get the rights to do something, but not just to do it, that anybody else who wants to do what you're doing, they got to pay you for it. And I, I feel in love with that because I like money at <laughs> <laughs> that age. You know? uh, uh, I like so much money at that age. So I said to her, I said, well, how am I going to get paid? She said, see, once this, once you get a, a government uh, copyright, uh, what is going to happen? Nobody can use it unless they pay you for it. Hmm. She said to me, well, you could, you, you could, this could, this can go far. I don't know how far this can go. But just to make sure in the future, wherever it go, it'll always be yours. I said, nah, I like that. You know, let's work, let's work with that. Hmm. We went to Grandstown Post Office and we, um, well, she typed these two letters first and we went to the Grandstown Post Office. We applied and they told her, she got to pay two pounds. I got that information right there to, to let you see. Mm. So we paid the two, she paid the two pounds for me. The following day, they gave us back two letters stating the, uh, where it was approved. And we got, they gave us permission to go ahead with the copyright. And after Doing that, I found out. I had a, sorry, I had a brother in New York, Kingsbury. Mm -hmm. I went to New York and I stayed some time there with him. But when I got a message from, I think it was either my same sister or some family member, anyway, that the Bahamas government was going to use this design for the flag of the Bahamas. So when, between you getting this game, because I've got two questions, one about this game and then how they got their answer. So between you getting the copyright for this game and them using this design for the flag, how much years was that in between? Or time? No, I think it might have been it might have been about six or seven. It might have even been more years than that. So, because you said because this was sixty-four this, and then yeah. seventy. And, and when this when yeah. this came about, when they did that, that was seventy-three. Yeah. But I was uh, in sixty-four when I got the copyright. Okay, so basically nine years you had the copyright for this game and this design before independence. Mm. So you was in New York that whole time between those nine years. Not just New York, it was a traveling period. Okay, so for nine years you wasn't in country between... I was in and out, in and out. Okay. But when I found out about what they intended to do, uh, my sister Annie, mm. there was a lady working at the registrar. Those, her and this lady went to school together. Mm. And the lady called and said to Annie, said, um, let your brother James know that Mr. Bain, that is Dr. Herbert Bain, mm. and a crew were looking at his flag. 
uh, it's his design mm. for the flag. And uh, it just went out of the register. What do you mean it went out the register? Like they apparently, did? apparently somebody after seeing it no. decided that they want to take a copy out of the register. So a copy they always have two and three copies of of your design. Mm. And this lady said to me, she said, your design is, she said, they was looking at this design a few days ago. Today, I can't find it. But I know one thing is certain, it was taken out during the presence of that, that group of men that was in there looking, for, trying to find a flag because at that around that same time there was uh I call it a contest. That's what I what I was told. Because that's what I was gonna ask. I was gonna say if you had created this, how did this end it ended up into a contest or a selection process? Yeah, because it was taken it was taken from the registrar. Mm. And after it was taken from the registrar and my sister was informed about it and I got knowledge about it. During that time I was in New York, but when I got, was told about it, my older sister Betty said, James, you need to come and let's work on this project together. So when I got back, we started writing letters to the prime minister. He was um, premier at that time, mm -hmm. premier Pindling. We started and we did about seven you, would you like to see some of the letters that sure. I pass it? Let me, let me check in. So, well, one quick question. So, if this was already copyrighted, was the, was the, the question I want to ask is, did was this game ever mass produced? Or? No, it was never mass produced. Okay. So, what's it? So, okay. So, they took it. So, because you have the copyright. There wasn't no flags or anybody on from the legal aspect to let them know, hey, this design is already copyrighted, and this would be the process, and I'll, you know, make you aware of, hey, um, do you approve of this being used, and then an agreement established for any licenses and payments and things like that? Because I know for all of, especially now, they crack down heavy on that where any of the national symbols, any of the money, anything behemoth associated, you have to pay a licensee fee for. And I think that's something that they recently enacted in the last five to ten years or so. Well, I will tell you one thing. Um, okay. You can, you can take a look at those. Two. Okay. Okay. Like And did you ever get a response? Okay, so you wrote this is a letter address in 1990. Uh. Okay. 
So has there any has there been any response from the government? Whether because obviously this is from Sydney time we've had five yes. prime ministers. Well right. four prime ministers since him. Yes. Um I can show you uh that there was the response that I got from government would have been from Hubert Ingram. Hmm. And would you hear what, what this would be? You see, you see that? The letter from Hubert Ingram? I feel like a real journalist today. We're going through the facts and everything. <laughs> yes, I, I, I believe it. <laughs> okay, you'll see here. This is a letter uh, to me from Hubert Ingram. Uh, this day, 2007, so this third administration Ingram. Uh, you, you can you can read that letter there and you'll see that where it was. So you filed under the first um, Christie administration. Um, I was communicating from Pinling's time. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, his signature is on that earn this one. So, Prime Minister Ingram. Oh, look. Okay, so he signed on the behalf of himself and Mr. Um, former Prime Minister Christie. Because I see the CC yes. leader of the opposition. Um, Okay, so right there it says he was going to put together a financial package. That's correct. So what happened with that exactly? That is what was said to me in the letter. Uh -huh. But it never took place. Um, let's see if you notice in this letter here. Yeah, it was I see y'all throwing around figures. My sister had asked... She asked for, for twenty five million at that time. Yeah, and then it went to uh, four hundred, I believe I saw. Yes. Yeah, four hundred million on this now, letter. Now let me tell you how that came about. Uh -huh. Because when um Prime Minister Ingram wrote me this letter saying that he has done his investigation, mm -hmm. he had somebody to check through the registrar, found out that my work was authentic, found out that my letter to government was authentic. He said that he happened to look at both of the designs that he's seen, a copy of mine in the registry and a copy of what the Bahamas government is using today. Mm -hmm. He said that when he look at it, he can see that one is a clear. I want to use his exact words. What he said here. He said, "Yeah, okay." In observing, in observing, there are grounds to determine based where it can be seen that the design of the Bahamas flag and the design 
that you recorded share similar similarities to an extent that it is clearly stated that one is an indication of an infringement of the other. Mm-hmm. This is what the Prime Minister... Yeah, I saw that. I read that. Wrote. Yeah. Letting you know... That why. he acknowledges... Yes, he is acknowledging mm-hmm. the fact that I am the designer of it. He's acknowledging that my letters to him after the investigation are all authentic. He's in saying to me, I'm not prepared to change the flag, but what I'm going to do is try and compensate. I'm going to compensate you for the flag. Mm. I'm going to prepare to compensate you in the amount of $20 million mm-hmm. and 100000 for royalty for the next 50 years. Mm-hmm. Well, back then... This is 2007, by the way. Yes. When he said that to me, so that's almost 20 years ago. Right. They yeah. asked me, well, I responded to it. And I responded to them on the grounds that as long as the government uh, doesn't de- delay uh, from the time that they uh, decided to pay me in 2007, I will accept that. But if they don't pay me by then, then I would have no other choice but to go back to the main offer that I said to them that I, I'm looking for, mm. $400 million. Mm. So seeing that they didn't pay me then, it went back to $400 million. And that was back in 2007. We want to add that yeah, context. That so that's, we in 2023. So four years from now is 20 years. Mm-hmm. So obviously... That yeah, I guess I, pre- I presume that your number four hundred million has changed since then. That's right. It'll be four hundred plus. Yeah. Okay. Or, or we can call that interest. I mean, you have to include inflation. Yes. Because that's twenty years, so you know, four hundred million then ain't four hundred million. No. no. Yeah. You see. Mm. So, I had a lawyer, um, by the name of. Godfrey Pinder, that everybody know him as Pro Pinder. Mm. He put this letter here together. Okay. Uh, so this letter is dated, okay, so it's 2018. So 11 years after Mr. Ingram had sent you that letter. Um, I just skimming through this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I made it more simplified. Simplify, made it simplified on the first page. If you take a look where all the mark where all the X. Yeah, I see that. After okay, if you read those points where all the X are. So what I'm gathering from all of these paper is the acknowledgement. Okay, so I see here. Uh, it is given, we request, uh, so, you know, I say you requested knighthood, so, Sir Darlin, Sir Bishop Alexander Darwin, I like the word, the name Alexander, my middle name is Alexander. Okay. <laughs> um, so what I'm seeing from a lot of these documents is the clear acknowledgement by multiple parties that your That's claim right. is valid. That's right. 
So what you're seeing here too, uh, from the registrar of the of the. Uh, oh, your middle name is Alexander. Yes. Okay. If you see what you put there. Okay. So is this from the registrar general? Okay, deputy. Okay, this 2012. Um, I hereby certify that a search was conducted on an invention application brought by James Alexander Darlin of Darlin Lane, P.O. Box, and 4111 NASA Bahamas for the invention in respect of fun in the Bahamas and has found them the first inventor and designer of fun in the Bahamas, the design for the flag of the Commonwealth of the Bahamas. That's right. And I have... You need to... I have... That's how you laminated... Like that Armenian laminate all of these. Yes, I'm prepared yeah. to do that. Yeah. But let me say this to you. I have this same report here yeah. from five registrar generals. Over the last oh, fifty years. Oh yes. Every for, from the from the time I was ten uh-huh. to now, I can show you a copy of the registrar general who's registrar general from that time with them certifying me as the person that did it. Uh-huh. Nowhere you're going to find something saying that this was done by Herbert Bain. Mm-hmm. Nowhere. Not only do you get that from the Registry General, you get that from... The multiple sources? You the, have the, the, the Prime Minister. You have two Prime Ministers and, basically and, and saying your claim is valid. Yes. You know, on that document it has Simon Ingram and then C.C. The leader of opposition, um, uh, the Honorable Perry Gladstone Christie. That's right. So, so I have a report coming from five different prime ministers as well. Mm-hmm. I have a report from five different prime ministers as well, stating that I should have been compensated for the flag. Mm. And they should, and I'm requesting an apology from them as well for using my flag without my permission and allowing people around the world to use it without my permission. Mm. Yet, in spite of all of this evidence, they're still playing the fool, haven't paid me as yet. But there's another document I'd like to show you. Mm. I have so many documents that I would like to, to, to show. I mean, that it will take so much of time. Yeah, because one thing I think we could take away so far is that Mr. James Bishop, James Alexander Darling, is not just claiming that he designed these flags. He has documented proof beyond measure. <laughs> like, just papers and papers and papers with signatory thing so why do you think you have the evidence you have the burden of proof why do you think at this point there hasn't been something to where i mean they can't probably i i can understand you can't give you let's say that 400 million or i can't cut you a check for 20 million yeah but start the process of compensating at least to say okay we can start with this and then you know as long as you and your family live, you'll get this incremental number. And then, you know, you could pass it on as your inheritance, maybe compensation with crown line, something. 
to where it's like, okay, at least let's honor this. We may not give you what you want, but let's start somewhere. And then obviously build over time. Well, you know, I appreciate you for saying that. But I want to show you something. A report came in mm. to me from a financial analyst and a chartered accountant. And in this chartered accountant, in the chartered accountant report, what they have here, what they're showing, is that the Bahamas government happened to owe me $138 billion, $798 million. Oh, no, read that again. Read that again. Go from the top. I'm telling you, oh, yeah. I have a report here mm. from a financial analyst and a chartered accountant mm. that is saying that the Bahamas government happened to owe me $138 billion, $798 million. And they're telling me that those figures goes up every day. Yeah, cause because they use the flag every day. Yeah, and, it's, and it's all over the branding. You have now have world class athletes and other signature brands that has used this time and time again. You have to account for the the length of time it has been going on. So that's why we're saying. Yeah, they might not give you that one billion right in front, but you can start eight. Yeah, but the thing you is, <laughs> the, the thing is, they've been and they've been so why so disrespectful? Hmm. You know, I know they could have done a lot better than they than they they haven't not even recognized me in one of their meetings or in one of their independent services or in one of whatever they were doing uh, in reference to. The Bahamas government mm. to uh, for independence. I applied five times with all of my documents to the department that they normally have when they are looking to honor people for their outstanding awards. Mm. Every time I did that and carried in my documents, they would bypass me. They would never mention it. Never mention it. Now, let me tell you something that has happened a few years ago. Mm. A few years ago, my son showed me, say, he said to me, say, Daddy, I want you to listen to this news clip. I said, what is it? He said, this is very important for you to listen to. I said, what it is? He said, I don't want to tell you. I want you to hear it. Listen to it. It was a news clipping between... Um, the president and uh, the prime minister at that time, Perry Christie, and what's his name, uh, who they claiming the false pretender for the flag, um, Herbert Bain. It was a conversation between those two where Perry Christie said to Herbert Bain, you don't have to worry about this. This will never come out that he is the designer, the true designer of the flag. That tape, I've kept it for so many years. I even show, I, I even allowed some people to hear it. Mm -hmm. 
And you know what? In spite of government, past government officials hearing the tape, not one of them decide that they will join in with me and recognize that this is the man that did the flag. Not one of them. And I'm telling you, today, Bahamas government happened to... I mean, they, they, just, they just use it like, like it's theirs. You know, they operate... Bahamas government today operate in the Bahamas, New York, China, Hong Kong, they have, uh, and other parts of the world. They have embassies. Embassies mm. all over the place. Yeah. And they collect all the royalties for those persons using the Bahamas flag. But I got news for them. They need to, they need to hear this and hear this clearly. Good. Today, I now have a web page up for all the people that use the flag without my permission. If they don't pay me, I'm suing all of them. Bahamas government, I'm taking them to the Hague. We go to the Hague with them because they seem as if they don't want to make a ruling. I've been waiting over a year and a half for a ruling from our judge over here. Mm -hmm. And they haven't made that ruling as yet. That's more than, 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 than not just painful, hurtful, but what is happening as a result of them dragging their foot on it? All of the sporting events that we've had over here uh, just recently. With the Bahama Games? Bahama Games, all of them, yeah. those other games that we've had here. Let me tell you something. Beyond flags, they've made, I can say, to the tune of millions. Um, Jamaica, Bahamas, I would say they made to the tune of billions. Because if you look on every one of Jamaica, Bahamas flag, I mean, Jamaica, Bahamas products, they have Jamaica flag on it, mm -hmm. and they get my flag on it. Not the Bahamas flag. That's my flag that they get on it. Where they got the permission from? From somebody in Bahamas government. That was never authorized to do business for me with the flag. All the ship registries around the world. Yeah, they have to. That's why they like to register in the Bahamas. All of them. Yeah. All of those ship registries. I got news for all of them. They think they're getting away. But the fact that I can prove that I was communicating on that from Pinling's time. This letter here is the 2nd of December, 1990, to Pinling. This next one is November 6, 1993. And let me, let me just call off some of the times that letters went into Prime Minister and Premier, Premier at first, and then Prime Minister Pinling. The first letter went into him on November 6, 1973. The second went in on August 12, 1973. The third went in on May 19, 1975. The other one, the fourth one, September 4th, 1978. The fifth, 
6, 9, June 16, 1981. And the very last one was December 2nd, 1990. And I'm telling you, that man that they call the father of our nation has not uh, responded to me once, not in once, in one letter. All these letters were sent to him. So, question. So what has the last two prime ministers said about um, this particular matter? The last two, that would be... Um, the Honorable Hubert A.R.A. Minnis and yes. Honorable Bray of Davis. Well, let me tell you. Uh, let me deal with um, Hubert Minnis first. In my communicating with him through attorney um, Propinder, they caused us to lose a home because they, he said um, the information that came from Minis, Prime Minister Minis, said that we must stop paying the mortgage on the home and government will take over that mortgage because Obama's government owe me so much money. They will take over. Who said this? This information came from Propinder, lawyer Propinder. Okay. Your, your documentation about this? Now, that is the only thing that I did not get in writing from him. Hmm. But everything else. But So, allegedly, it came from Propinder. Yes. Okay. He, he said, he, that's what he told me. Hmm. I said to him, can I have a copy of that? He said, I can give you a copy, but I don't have it right now. This morning I called him and I asked him for a copy of that again. He said to me, he said, give me some time. I'm going to look up through my uh, record and I can find it. Mm -hmm. So when I find that, I'm going to make that letter available to the world where Hubert, Hubert Minnis said that he would pay for the mortgage, the house mortgage. Well, we lost that home because we had stopped paying because it was alleged that he, that the prime minister, would have the people to pay for it. That, that is in this letter here you will find from Propinder. Okay, so Propinder sent you a letter. He was the see, yeah he he was the the man that put the letter together. Where's the letter I showed you um, from Propin? Oh, oh the, here it is. Yes, that that information would be would be right in here. What I said that um, the prime minister would um, pay for the, he would have someone to pay for the mortgage on the, ho on the home. Mm. That information you'd find right in here. Oh. So I'm telling you, when it comes to us saying, well, respecting our prime ministers, I respect them because I'm a man of God and I, I will be uh, straightforward and do what God said to do. Mm -hmm. Give respect to those people because they, 
they have to, you know, yeah, his. Because that's that's what lead me to my next question. What when which year you became an ordained minister? I think I have that right in there, you know. Let me see. When I became, oh no, that, that's it right there. I don't have it there. Nothing else in there. Okay, I. It was in eighty. In eighty-three. Okay, so how you know as you worked your way through when I became a bishop in uh, something like that that is two oh oh no, it should be in the end in the it should be in here. Sorry. I can find the date in here when I became a bishop. Okay. But how have you been sort of being still with yourself this whole time, feeling like basically someone robbed me of generational wealth? Like, how do I, I feel? Yeah. Like, how have you been dealing with it? Because I know if it was me and for, because, uh, and I, why the reason why I really wanted to sit down with you is because. You have the plight of an artist. And a lot of artists go through what you're going through now to where you have your artwork, you know, used by a bigger entity and they benefit off it a hundred times, a thousand times, way more than you. And it causes a lot of people, you know, a lot of bitterness, a lot of anger because they they don't need to think something I created, I can't even benefit off and it's life changing for so many people, but it isn't that life changing aspect isn't happening for me. And you know, I think a lot of artists, not just even just local in the Bahamas, a lot of artists around the world throughout time can resonate with this story because, like I said, you know, another behemoth that this similarly has happened to is Joseph Spence, to where. You created this unique style, and now in universities in North America, they teach it. But your family isn't getting, he's dead and gone, but his family isn't getting royalties and things like that. Um, you know, not all the time, everything is about money necessarily, but this is levels on hey, I could pass away today, and I could come back 200 years from now. and the people that bear my likeness and name still going to be straight, you know. So, to that you say, what exactly? And how has this sort of tried your faith and strengthened your faith along the way? Sorry, I missed that a lot, the ending part of what you said just now. And I say, how has this whole situation over this long time, like, tested your faith and strengthened your faith? Well, the only thing I can say to that mm. is that I got all of my strength from praying mm. from Almighty God. Only Him one could have kept, kept me uh, to the point where I can still smile. Mm -hmm. Because every time I look at those politicians, all I see is a bunch of thieves. And I said without any apology... And I can prove that I have enough evidence to prove it from from 1973 to now. 
I have enough evidence on every politician that sat in the House of Assembly. They know that I am the person who did this flag, and there's no way they can deny that they didn't know because we went through so many times issuing letters to various um, governments. And I have signatures where people signed for those politicians that wasn't there. They signed for the documents. And I have the signed copies of where people signed for them. So there's no need, and I'm trying to say, well, I can send this or send that, or we can try to do this or do that, or we're going to try to say this or say that. Because all of the evidence I have, so anybody who wish to come and talk to me about it, I got the evidence. I would not have said it if I didn't have it. Hmm. So how... So what age are you now? You, you said you were 70? 70 now, yes. So you was 20 years old when the Bahamas became, was practically born. So 50 years. In a few days, the Bahamas is going to turn 50. As of this recording, probably, I put it, probably put this out before independence. But if you, in less than two weeks, the Bahamas is going to become 50 and... For 50 years, you've been dealing with this, and there has been no resolution. How do you how do you think you could ever find solace in this situation? Do you feel like this will be rectified before you are, are no more of this work? I honestly believe it will be rectified mm. because I have some contacts, and what I'm doing now is making preparation to sell the copyright of the Bahamas, what they call Bahamas flag, hmm. I'm selling the copyright. Hmm. I'm, uh, I'm selling that copyright because I just spoke with Miss um, Mohan, Mohan Emmanuel. She's in the prime minister's office. Hmm. And I said to her, I said, um, I'd like to have an appointment she said, hold, hold the line for me, hold the line for me. And as I was holding the line, she came back to me. And this is what she said to me. She said that the Prime Minister said to let you know, I said this again, Miss Mohan Emmanuel told me, the Prime Minister of this country told her to let me know he can't do nothing about this because that's history. And I was... Shock. I said, what? I said, well, but I told you so many times to let him know that I'm prepared to sell the copyright um, and the patent on the flag, and, and he's, he's in concern about it. She said, well, I'm only telling you what he told me, sir. So I said, I said, well, you let him know that I will be selling the thing, and, and when it is sold, they will not be allowed to use the flag anymore. And all those pe people around the world that are getting money from, I didn't say this to her, but this is what I'm saying. When 
All of my information is on the web page, 100%. Everybody that the Bahamas government got money from, I'm giving them the right to sue Bahamas government because Bahamas government got money from them without my permission. Um, that To me, that's fraudery. False pretenses. They, they were paying, they had people paying them under false pretenses. Hmm. So... What I'm saying, once the people in the outside world, around the world, communicate with me, I'm saying to them, I will give you a set of my documents to prove that I am the person who designed the flag, and I will also have be able to prove to you that I never gave them permission to use the flag. The infringement, everything that what they've done with the flag had nothing to do with me. So I'm telling them, you can sue Bahamas government and get every dime back from Bahamas government. And if they think that I'm kidding with that, they got a next thing coming. So how would you be compensated fairly from this um, sale? Like you, you're selling it for the exact number that you were requesting from the Bahamian government? Say that again? How would you get compensation from the sale? Well, are you, um, the price for you selling the carburetor, is it the same figure that you're asking, you were asking from the Bayman government? I gave the Bahamas government a, a huge break because I was thinking, had they paid me the 20 million, like they say, that would have been the end of the story right there. Mm. But they never did. They continued every time they said well, they're going to do this. They never did it. So today I have documents in the billions that Bahamas government owe me. And the price is going up daily. Mm-hmm. They, so, so would that be how much you're selling the copyright for? Well, or are you working a broker in another deal where you would sell a percentage of the IAP and then you would keep some of the percentages and it'll work out like that? No, well, I um, I, my intention in selling the flag, in selling the, the copyright, I look at it like this. Mm. If I'm going, because I'm going to do it, I'm not going to do it to sing the country and I won't be in position to help the country or the people that need help. Mm. So I can't just give it away for maybe a, a few billions. I got to look at it in terms of how I can help my Bahamian brothers and sisters mm. because our government helping the people and the people needs the help. Mm. So if I'm going to go, I'm not, I can let you see a document that I have out on the web page showing you what I am requesting.
Just give me one, one second here. I'm going to show you the paper. I just had my hand a while ago, you know. I just had, oh, here it is. Because actually what you have inside, uh, um, this is some of the things that I would think that they would consider, like, you know, um, with the line allotments and things that would, would sort of make up some of the figures. Um, so let me, let me just take a while, I guess. So with you obtaining some of these things, you would then pour it back into the community or have some sort of system. Yeah, you, get, you, get, you have to think, you got to think about your community. I wish the, the politicians would think about the community like I think about the community. Mm -hmm. You need to help your people. So what do you say to someone like, okay, because now, you know how Bahamian people get the backdrop of you being a pastor, like a minister of the gospel, and somebody may make a comment about, "Oh, why are you worrying about earthly things? You find them, a, you know, treasure God sees all and knows all, and your final reward would be on that grand day." You went so low on me a while ago. Right, I did I was saying, what do you say to the people that say? Well, don't worry your head about these earthly things. Your ground reward would be on that good and faithful day. Oh, well, well you see, mm. I call that ignorance. <laughs> that, that, is, that is really ignorance. <laughs> but that's what the church has preached, though. The, like, hey, the, man, the, the, don't the, mind they using you, no, man. No, that, 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 you yeah. see, that, yeah. that, is, that is ignorance. Uh, that is the height of ignorance. You can't become no more ignorant than that. Uh, because... It is God who said in this word, he wish above all things that we prosper. Mm, and have great success. And be in good health. Yeah. So if he, if he made the provision for you to, to prosper, are you not going to prosper? Of course. That's right. You should prosper if he made the provision for you to prosper. Mm. So therefore, you shouldn't even begin to think about any preach, preach that kind of, I call that foolishness. <laughs> I call that spiritual foolishness. You see, because, yes, the time is coming when all of us are going to leave this earth. we got to yeah. recognize that. And we know that only what is done for Christ will last. Mm. We know that too. Mm. But he wants you to prosper while you're on earth here. And he wished that you would also make it into his kingdom as well. Mm. So any preacher was telling me that... Forget, forget. It sounds like you heard this before. All the time. <laughs> All the time. All the time, you know. Uh, I say to them, I said, man, you know, I can tell you something. I said, you know, you, 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 you sure, you sure you, you're a preacher? Mm. 
Mm. Or are you sure? Is this what you're telling your congregation? Mm. Because you get some pastors and some bishops around here. The message that they're sending out there is more is doing more damage than what good they're doing. They should be doing. Mm. You know, you shouldn't send messages out to hurt people. God wants you and me to be the type of people that want to help and elevate his people. The, that thing telling them that you can get your pie in the sweet by and by, mm. that don't work with me. Mm. I'm sorry. That, I, 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 that I completely agree with that. <laughs> that won't work with me. So... What you what's what message you would like to leave with the people as we wrap up um this this has been very great and informative you know um as someone well no one last question after these last 50 years and what you went through are you even proud to be bahamian because this right here is so synonymous with being a bahamian and understand the trials and tribulations you have to go through to get, get justice could you could you really say hang your head and say wait I really proud to be a Bahamian? No, I am not proud to be a Bahamian. Mm. I I hear everybody talking about they proud to be a Bahamian, proud to be a Bahamian. I am not proud to be a Bahamian. I happen to be a Bahamian, but I'm not proud to be a Bahamian because for me, I've been you know this is why in one of the letters that we wrote, my sister did to to Celindon Pindley here. She said here that, okay, she said here, Sir, it is a shame for me to call myself a Bahamian. You politicians treat us Bahamian like we are being, like we are begging for something from you. And that's the way they treat us. That's the way the, the, the politicians treat Bahamians. When we look and see when I heard that the Prime Minister of this country here, Philip Brave Davis, said he can't do nothing about that. He, he can't do nothing about that. And I see he uses law as a lawyer to change things around, and I must say, especially for the Haitians rather than Bahamians. You know, and you're telling me the leading symbol in the, any country, I believe, is their flag. In any entity. Like, That's right. Yeah, your symbol, yeah, yeah, um, your banner. That's whatever, right. Whatever, you know, your insignia. That's right. Yeah. And you're telling me you can't change that, but you could change all kind of um, laws for foreigners. And me being a Bahamian, and you think I'm proud of myself being a Bahamian? I'm not a proud Bahamian. I'm a hurt Bahamian, but I just do not allow my hurt to get me to do evil things. But I'm going to tell you this much. My sister wrote in this letter here, says that um, at the ending part of it, she's saying that, she's saying here that, Uh, politicians like them turn our young people into criminals. God bless that James have a mind to become 
a minister of the gospel, or I would be encouraging him to get a group of young men together and mess all of you up. And that's, that's what your sister said. Yes, you, you, you can read it. That's, that's right. one, mm. one of the letters to um, Prime Minister Pinling. See, he probably didn't receive it. That's, that's a bit. Yeah, that's yeah, basically yeah. making a threat. No, 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 no. She mm. make no threat here. Mm. She said that um, if I wasn't the type of person that I am, she would have got involved with the group. She would have encouraged me to get involved with a group of men who would have messed them up. Mm. Because from 19... 93, and he has had more than six letters, and he hasn't responded to one. Another prime minister who did that was Perry Christie. Perry Christie never um, responded. The only, um, the only prime minister that has ever responded to me in writing was and I call him the Honorable, the Right Honorable, mm. Hubert, well, what, Alexander Ingram. Hubert Alexander Ingram, mm. you know? And I would share my allegiance with him. I would, I would respect him for that, you know, because he didn't have to do it. But he put that in writing for me, and I appreciate him, I appreciate him for that a whole lot. Yes, history must be changed. Mm. And they don't, they, that's what they, um, they are ashamed you see? of the truth. Mm. Yeah, they're ashamed of the truth. So what's next for you, Mr. Darling? Like, what message you would like to lead the people as we, you know, hopefully, I think everybody, as we ventured on the journey to Road of 50, you know, I had uh, the pleasure to actually conducting and helping um, working on an interview with uh, Lady Pinlin recently and I don't think from young know everybody ain't really hyped for 50 because it's like we don't feel it we all feel like we should be in a better position this you know you feel like you in no minds lot nothing makes sense everybody running around like chickens with their head cut off mm -hmm. and it's like yo we gotta do better because yeah we got the 50 but it's like midway through the through that process, we lost our way to the original design of what it means to be an independent nation. So many people feel neglected. So many people feel that there's so much things that are right. It feels like nothing is working properly. And it's been that way for a very long time. This isn't a recent thing. But there's, there's been malfunctioning bodies over a period of time. And this ain't a 10 or 20 year thing either. So... What you have to say, final words, what you have to say to the people? Be honest. Hmm. I'm doing what I, uh, stand up for your rights, fight for your rights. If you want to be a Bahamian, you want to consider yourself a Bahamian, put enough pressure on your government that your government has got to recognize that you're there. You see what Lincoln Bain is doing now for changes hmm. I can appreciate that yeah I've had him on my podcast before two years ago before 
before he started CUI. And he expressed some of these similar things. Yes, you know, stand up for your rights. Fight for your rights. It may take long, but don't give up. Hmm. Don't ever give up. Let them know that they're going to have to respect you in spite of them trying to play the fool. You know, I went to ZNS. They invited me there three times. And every time I went there, there was always a saying, nobody here to interview you. Nobody, no cameraman here to do this. Because they were, they just want to keep things undercover. That is, that is, that's real bad. That's poor of us. But I can tell you before we start this, I'm like, this is the way of traditional media. That's why the new media, where everybody it feel free and express their voices and opinions and thoughts. That's why you take the power in your own hands and do what you got to do. That's correct. Yeah. That is correct. Mm -hmm. You know? But I pray and hope that at least at some point or I've been instrumental in helping with your cause and from one artist to another. Because I always fight for the plights of artists. That you do receive the justice that you deserve. And... That this would be a lesson in going in the future because people are creating things every day and mm -hmm. things are be stolen. Like I tell you, I can, you can name a number, countless, uh, like any great idea, most of, most of these ideas were stolen and that originally never got a proper credit. Even, let's say, even McDonald's. <laughs> like, if you ever find out the story about that, like, the owners now ain't the original owners and it's through you know, different legal navigation that these things, entities get redirected to different eyes and stuff like that. But I hope that this has been a great interview, like, you know, has it, it has for me. And this is very insightful. And I think you should reconsider making this boring game, though. Because <laughs> I was thinking, that's like, you might want to think about uh, as you're fighting this, hey, let me go look back at this board game idea as well. But thank you again, Mr. Darling, for coming on Everything Cool. This has been a pleasure. I thank you for sharing your story. And I th I hope and pray that I can help you in some form or fashion to getting this result. Well, I hope you would do that. I'd be more than grateful to you for that. Uh -huh. I also wonder... You look at nation, that I want the nations around the world to you know everybody was using the flag. Oh, tilt that back a little bit. Uh, no. No, I can take a picture and stick it in. I want everybody who's using the flag, locally and internationally, uh. that this is the copyright for the flag. What has is the name that I gave it? Fun in the Bahamas. So all of you ship owners, boat owners, wherever you are, whatever you do, once you're using the flag, or what you call the flag of the Bahamas, that is no, it never was the flag of the Bahamas. That is a flag belonged to Bishop James Alexander Darling. I am the person who did the flag. I designed the flag when I was 10 years old, and I'm now 70. And I want you to know, I want you to know, those who haven't 
made contact with me as yet. You need to make contact with me because if you don't, I will find you and be making contact with you. And it's not going to be nice because the lawyers out there, they will find you. I don't care which part of the world you and they will find you. The computers today made it so much easier to find people who's doing things in an illegal way. And I would like for you to know, pay before you have to pay more. That's my final words to you. <laughs> all right. Okay. And with that, we are there. Thank you all again for watching. Happy Independence. And we can see you all later.